After 6 a.m., good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Thursday. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
With Rachem. You heard David Dax, that's the Shiras Hayam medley from the uh, CD entitled Shiras Hayam. Yaeli Greenfeld, Elokai, Eitz Chaim, that's Mordechai Ben David, and Benny Friedman, Hine Hine, all off of the Shir uh, double CD, Shlomo Yehuda Rechnitz. And the Regesh, Modani opening things up, and we say good morning. It's Thursday on this January the 15th, day 24 in the month of Teves. Want to wish a happy birthday to those who are celebrating birthdays on the 15th of January. The year is 5775, Tufshin I and Hay, 27 degrees. The wind chill is just about 27. The winds are pretty calm, and that's a rarity. Enjoy it. 27 with no wind may be better than, uh, I don't know, 40 with wind. Yeah, you know me with my weather philosophy. <laughs> It's always it's always at the cutting edge. Uh, sunny today with a high temperature of 37. Then tonight, clear skies, a low 28. Tomorrow, mostly sunny, a high Friday, 38 degrees. We're at 45 in Yerushalayim, 27 here in Jersey City as we say good morning at JM in the AM. So I believe the, uh, the press release about the Kosher Halftime Show has now officially been released, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think it's officially out there, the word. I will confirm and then... Uh, uh, toss in some music and conversation appropriate for the uh, Kosher Halftime Show happening two weeks from Sunday. That's when we make it available to everybody. And uh, it's happening for the second consecutive year. We are very excited about it, as you can imagine. And uh, by Sunday night, we'll know which teams are in the big game. Um, by a little later on today, you'll know exactly who's playing the Kosher Halftime Show. So, um, getting ready for a, uh, getting ready for what everyone else in this country is getting ready for. The end of the football season seems to be one of those things that the entire country gets into at once. JM in the AM at 26 minutes before the hour. Big day for us here at JM in the AM. We'll meet some of the amazing people in the world of medicine a little later on in the 8 o'clock hour, plus the, um, brand new, the brand new Chumash Shmos that's been edited. Uh, with the uh, commentary of the Rav that's going to be discussed as well. And some of the goings-on up at uh, Yeshiva University and the Sai Sim School of Business. We'll do that in the 7 o'clock hour as well. So a lot happening on this Thursday morning broadcast. A lot happening on our stream all day long at jmtheam.org. There is so much going on. Charlie Harari presents the boardroom at 9 a.m. this morning with all of the uh, amazing segments that he does. Uh, we've got a... Uh, an edition of Jew in the City Speaks. Allison Josephs will have uh, Avi Siperstein and Yaakov Landau of Haverim of Queens and Alexander Rappaport of Masbia. People who go above and beyond to help others. That's happening this morning at 10. 10.30, Miriam L. A lot of chesed being discussed today on the stream. Wow. Joseph Gitler of Leket. Leket, Israel. 
is going to be the guest of Miriam L. Wallach on That's Life starting at 10.30. And then on the stunt show today, Mayor Fertig with a very interesting topic. The acting rabbi of a small Orthodox shul in New York State is going to be his guest and a member of a large Orthodox shul in Pennsylvania. The topic is Jews and Guns. They will discuss firearms ownership in general and carrying a gun on Shabbos in particular, why both men do and how it's perceived in their shuls, and much more. should be very interesting. 1 o'clock today on what we call the stunt show, uh, 1 o'clock Eastern time, right after the live lunch. That'd be, that should be very, very interesting. Mayor Fertig will lead that discussion. So a lot going on on our stream. Keep it here, everybody, at 91.1 FM, 90.1 FM in the Catskills. Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial. And, uh, of course, around the world on the web, jmtheam.org. A special good morning to those tuned in on the NSN app from anywhere around the world. Thank you for listening in on the NSN app. Here's Yehuda Green.
It's time for Shachris. Get up. There's no mitzvah to be late, you know. Come on, get up now. No. All right, here we go.
JM and the AM. It's brand new from Benny Friedman. Altira is the uh, name of that selection. Before that, the Weinrib Brothers with a song entitled Modaani, the Wake Up Country Jam. Off of their brand new debut CD entitled Mayane. David Lowy before that with Horaini. You heard Ari Goldwag live in the sky from the English album. That's his latest. And Yehuda Green had Shua some off of Barcheni. 7 o'clock in the morning on a Thursday. This is America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial. Broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey, around the world on the web, jmtheam.org. A special good morning to those tuned in on the NSN app. One of the easiest, best, and clearest ways to listen to us from anywhere in the world is by installing the NSN, Nahum Siegel Network app, on your iPhone or Android. And once you do that, you're all set. Tune in just at the press of a button, 24 hours a day. And today's Thursday, which means as great as our content is all through the week, it is amazing on Thursday. Make sure to stay tuned after Jam the for all of our programming all through the entire day. And tonight, Michael Fragan will have a brand new edition of Spin Class, Politics with Michael Fragan, starting at 6 p.m. Eastern time on our stream. Well worth a listen. We'll give you the information about who he expects as guests this evening a little later on during this show. More coming up here at JM in the AM. Our news from Israel, or I should say Galit Sal from Israel in the background. News from Israel coming up. 27 degrees, sunshine today, and a high temperature of 37. Jerusalem is at 45. We're at 27 here in Jersey City on a Thursday at JM in the AM. Galit Sal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Thursday follows next. We say Boker Tov from JM in the AM. צהל השעה שתיים, כנהות גרף עם מה שקורה עכשיו. ראש ממשלת טורקיה, דבוטולו, משווה בין ראש הממשלה נתניהו לבין המחבלים שביצעו את הפיגועים בפריז. כתבתנו נועם דהן. לפני פגישה עם בכיר באיחוד האירופי, אמר דבוטולו, הובלת ממשלה המפציצה ילדים שמשחקים על החוף בעזה והופך את טבח של הפלסטינים לטבעי, היא פשע נגד האנושות. דבוטולו הוסיף, ושנתניהו שווים לפשעי המחבלים בפריז. בשעתיים האחרונות הבאנו בגל"צ משדר מיוחד מפריז עם יעל דן, במלות שבוע למתקפת הטרור. הבימאי היהודי קלוד לנצמן אמר שם, מסוכן להסתובב בפרברי פריז עם כיפה או לערוך קניות במרכולים הכשרים. הסממנים היהודים הופכים אותך למטרה. זה כמו להגיד, תראו עליי. כך לנזמן. מבקר המדינה העניק צו הגנה לרפי רותם, חושף השחיתות ברשות המיסים. כתבתנו שרון פולבר. לאחר שנים של מאבק, המבקר שפירא העניק לרותם צו הגנה על חושפי שחיתויות. הצו קובע לרותם פיצוי של 36 חודשי שכר, והן קובע כי המדינה תשלם לו גמלה מיום פיטוריו מרשות המיסים ב-2007. רותם היה קצין מודיעין ביחידה הארצית לחקירות מכס ומע"מ, וחשף את פרשת השחיתות ברשות המיסים. פרקליט המדינה שי ניצן התייחס היום לחקירת השחיתות ברשות מקרקעי ישראל שנחשפה הבוקר. אנחנו, יחד עם המשטרה, נחושים להילחם בשחיתות, המערכת לא תהסס 
ותחקור ותמצה את הדין. אני מאוד מקווה שכתוצאה מהגל הזה, ואם הוא יניב כתבי אישום, זה יעביר מסר חד משמעי שאנחנו לא נוותר והמלחמה בשחיתות חייבת להניב פירות. נשיא בית המשפט העליון אשר גרוניס, שפורש היום, קבע בפסק דינו האחרון בהתייחס למוסטפא דיראני, שאויב לא יוכל לתבוע את המדינה בתביעת נזיקין. בנאום הפרידה הוא תקף את היוזמות עוקפות בג"ץ בכנסת. אנו השופטים יושבים בתוך עמנו, אך יש לערוך הפרדה מוחלטת בין הביקורת שאפשר להשמיע על פסק דין זה או אחר, לבין החשיבות שבשמירה על בית המשפט העליון עצמו ועל סמכויותיו. כתבנו רום ליאור מוסר שהשופטת מרים נאור תושבע אחר הצהריים כנשיאת בית המשפט העליון במקום גרוניס. הרב מרדכי שמואל אשכנזי מובא כעת למנוחות בבית העלמין בטבריה. בעקבות הלווייתו סגורים לתנועה כביש 90 מחוף גיא ועד מלון רימונים גני כנרת וכן מתחם בית העלמין והרחובות הסמוכים. כתבנו גיא ורון מוסר שהעצירים צפויים להיפתח בשלוש ושלושים. התחזית, גשם מדי פעם, בעיקר בצפון ולאורך החוף, מלווה בסופות רעמים. הנהלת אתר החרמון נערכת לפתוח את האתר לגולשים בסוף השבוע, אם מזג האוויר יאפשר. אלה החדשות שעורך הדר שיפר. התוכנית בחסות גינדי אחזקות, הבונאות. Yo, 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 yo,
comes from Ari Goldwag. That's off of the uh, Amechad CD here on a Thursday morning broadcast. Shlemy Kaufman before that with Min Ametzar from Avoda Stucka and the Mizumin Heshi Rubin and Company with Mim Komcha to open up the 7 o'clock hour. Top story from Israel. If you were tuned into Galit Sal News as we were, or if you're reading any of the uh, news reports online, the Turkish Prime Minister says that the Israeli Prime Minister has committed crimes against humanity just like the terrorists in the uh, Paris attacks. This is what the Turkish Prime Minister says, comparing situations of the war in Gaza with what happened uh, last week in Paris. This and other stories, of course, we'll discuss tomorrow morning during our weekly update. Malcolm Honline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He utilizes this great radio broadcast every week. Uh, to address us and world jury, and uh, he'll do it tomorrow on this topic and many, many others. Obviously, a lot to talk about. A lot has changed in a week. You'll recall when he was on last Friday, we had just started to get word about a kosher supermarket where hostages were being held, and obviously, as the day progressed uh, until candlelighting time, we were informed of what was going on there and what had happened, the tragedy in Paris. And between then and now, plenty to talk about uh, regarding uh, what's happening in Israel and this uh, world of ours. That's all tomorrow morning, 740. Malcolm Honline joins us for the weekly update right here at JM in the AM. Plenty on our stream all day long at jmtheam.org as we've been outlining. And I mentioned that the um, Michael Fragan Spin Class show, which every single week continues to be a must-listen, especially if you are a uh, a fan or a follower of the world of politics. The issue of Mitsitsa Bape has again uh, snuck into the uh, conversation uh, regarding the uh, mayor's position on this matter, and the mayor of New York, that is, and the Department of Health, etc., etc. Tonight on the Spin Class, Michael Fragan will discuss the politics of Mitsitsa Bapaz. New York City gets ready to promulgate new rules regarding the practice. Why has this issue been vexing now for two mayors? That's the question. You'll get the answer tonight between 6 and 7 p.m. on Spin Class with Michael Fragan, and that'll happen right here on the stream at jmandtheam.org. Welcoming those around the world who are tuned in on the NSN app. Lots of traveling today. People heading south, people heading east, Baruch Hashem to the Holy Land. Make sure you have us and the NSN app along with you. That's right, schlep us along in your iPhone or Android. If you haven't installed it yet, make sure to do so. This way you can be in touch with us and still vacation at the same time. It's an amazing concept and incredible. These days, you don't have to leave JM and the AM and our stream behind. You just take it along with you in your phone. Yitzhak Fuchs is next. This is a performance from back in 2010 in our JM and the AM studios. Here he is at JM and the AM.
Ironically enough, that's a performance done here live in studio at JM and the AM from a few years back. It's Huck Fuchs on a Thursday morning broadcast. All right, Goldwasser, in a moment, just want to remind everybody we have incredible programming on our stream all day long at jmandtheam.org. Make sure to be tuned in. Coming up at 9 o'clock this morning, Charlie Harari. 
He's always got an amazing uh, program when it comes to the boardroom. That's what it's called, the boardroom. And he has all his usual segments and wonderful leadership lessons coming up between 9 and 10. At 10 o'clock this morning, Allison Josephs, Jew in the City, speaks. She has guests Avi Siperstein and Yaakov Landau of Haverim of Queens, plus Alexander Rappaport of Masbia. They'll discuss Chesed and going above and beyond. That's happening between 10 and 10.30. Miriam al Wallach at 10.30 with Joseph Gitler, the chairman and founder of Leket Israel. I'll be on during the live lunch, and we will do a What's New in the World of Judaica segment with Shlaimi Eichler. At 1 o'clock, Mayor Ferdig with a very, very interesting topic, Jews and guns. Mayor's guest, the acting rabbi of a small Orthodox shul in New York State and a member of a large shul in Pennsylvania. They'll discuss firearms ownership in general and carrying a gun on Shabbos in particular. should be a very interesting hour between 1 and 2 o'clock. And as we mentioned, Michael Fragan with spin class tonight at 6 p.m., a brand new edition. Rabbi De- oh, Michael Strauss is in our studio. He's the associate dean at the Sai Sim School of Business at Yeshiva University. We'll uh, welcome him officially in just a few minutes right here at JM in the AM and get that conversation going. Rabbi David Goldwasser is first. His words, here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk. Good morning. Each and every day, we say in the Shemona Esrei, Hashivenu avinu l'sorosecha, Hashem, return us to your Torah. Baruch Hashem, we bless Hashem because He wants and waits for all of us to do tshuva. We don't even know what the consequence could be of one misdeed. Zechariah Novi was stoned in the Azara. It was on Yom Kippur when he protested the idol that was brought into the Beis Hamikdash. His blood lay open on the floor for a hundred and fifty years. It continued to boil and bubble as a sign of Hashem's anger. The general, Nebuzaradan from Bovel, tried to appease him by killing thousands, koanim, chachomim, children, but the blood continued to bubble. Finally he called out, Zechariah, I've destroyed so many, the best of them. You want me to kill them all? At that point, the blood quieted. For the one aver of killing the Novi, so many thousands were killed. Nefoshos, that had no shaykhs to the murder of Zechariah. Tinokos, children that weren't even born then. Yet, this was the punishment for one Avera. We learn in Vayikra, that you should love your friend like you love yourself. Rashi tells us, that this is a great klal in the Torah. And in fact, in Meseches Shabbos it says, Zuhi kol kula. This is the entire Torah. Rav Elchonon Wasserman asks, What does this mean? If a person does one Avera, he can be machria himself in the entire world, lekaf choiva, to the side of demerit. All the good and the bad in the world has its shoresh in Kedusha, its root in holiness, or chas v'shalom, in tumah, in impurity. When a person commits a sin, he changes the goyrol ha'olam, the lot of the world. That is because there's more tumah, there's more spiritual impurity, and that gives koach to the side of evil. When a person does a mitzvah, they add to the side of kedusha 
of holiness. They give power to the positive and to the blessing that's found in the world. And the entire world merits just by one individual doing one mitzvah, one good deed, learning one pasuk, saying one capital of Tehillim. That's why it is That's the entire Torah. If you love your friend, if you care about your neighbor, then you'll be careful in everything that you do. It says, Greatest repentance. Because of one individual that repents, The entire world is forgiven. We should take it upon ourselves to do tshuva, to repent, even for one misdeed. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser, bringing you morning chizik. Have a nice day. J.M. and the A.M. on this Thursday. It's the 15th of January, 24th of Teves, with 27 degrees sunshine and a high temperature of 37. I welcome all of you tuned in, especially those who are listening in from around the world on the NSN app. Thanks for installing the NSN, Nahum Siegel Network app, on your Android and or iPhone and listening in. It is much appreciated. Michael Strauss is in our studio. He is the Associate Dean of the Sy Sim School of Business, Clinical Professor of Management, Assistant to the Provost at Yeshiva University, and joins us here on a Thursday morning at JM in the AM. Dean Strauss, welcome to JM in the AM. Thank you, thank you. Very, Great. very, very happy to be here this morning. Great to have you here. And we're going to discuss the Executive MBA and a lot of things that are going on at Sy Sim School of Business during this conversation, but I would love to use you as a sounding board for a moment sure. to just reassure, especially uh, segments of our community that are not used to hearing this, reassuring parents and students that the pursuit of a degree in any area of interest, whatever it might be, from liberal arts to business and everything in between, is a worthwhile pursuit. People don't, especially in our community very often, don't understand the value of that quote-unquote piece of paper. The value of just having, even if that degree proves to be, you know, not not much down the road, but having it is something that's uh, that can be priceless and really valuable. Well, it is. Thank you. Uh, uh, absolutely. There's no question about it. And I can uh, uh, just quickly give you uh, my background. I, can, I was born and raised in Israel. And the reason I'm, I'm bringing it up, and I came to, uh, to the United States, and unfortunately, I wasn't fortunate, as fortunate as most uh, of the young men and women that go to Yeshiva University, uh, we didn't have any money. Uh, and I went to City College, which is a great, uh, a great right. university. But I went to City College for one reason. Uh, I'm not embarrassed to say it, but I went to get that piece of paper. Right. I had no time. I had to work after school, weekends, uh, holidays, whatever. So that piece of paper uh, did me pretty well over the last <laughs> 35, 40 years. Uh, seriously, there is the value of an education, especially today, the, the, the competitiveness in the business world or in the world, uh, is such that unless you have an edge, unless you're different, uh, than, uh, the person, uh, next to you, the man or person next to you, uh, you're not gonna get ahead. And, and that degree is critical. You can't get a job. I don't care whether it's in a hospital. I don't care whether it's a Yeshiva University right. or elsewhere unless you have that degree. But more importantly, the degree gives you a value. It gives you a, a broad-based uh, knowledge 
of the world, uh, of religion, of business, of how to deal with other, you know, with other people, uh, with your family, with your friends. So, uh, it's, it's, it is priceless. And I'm sure people are assuming that I'm addressing only segments of our community, but there are, and look, again, I'm, I'm using the fact that you're here to our advantage. This is something that I always want to say. It's a very important message, and there are segments of our community where, again, uh, parents possibly or, you know, potential students themselves don't understand the value of getting out there, whether it's at the pace of an hour a day, you know, or a course, a semester. Doesn't, doesn't matter. Exactly. Whatever the pace is, getting out there, and broadening their horizons, and then when they go into the competitive fields, as you just described, they'll either be on equal footing or ahead of those who are looking for the same jobs. But even if they don't, let me just add one more sure. point. I was at a, uh, uh, I was on a panel of a group uh, at a high school uh, about three, four months ago, and one young man who's 18 years old gets up, and he says, Dean Strauss, I have a question. He said, my father is very, very successful, has a huge business. I'm going into his business. Why should I waste four years oh, to go boy. to university? And I basically told him <laughs> what I what, what I just told you. You're not wasting. Quite to the contrary. Uh, you know, 20, 30 years ago, if your father had a business, you went in. You know, you, you dealt locally. Uh, you know, you got your products locally. Now, it's a global environment. It's a big world out there. And if you go to your father's business, you need to get the the foundation that you get in university. No question about it. And... And and also and again I, this is just a a byproduct or an a additional fringe benefit but so often when you go or spend time in an institution that you know is helping you get this education etc even if it, even if there's not extreme value to that document years later and again we could argue whether it is or isn't but even if there isn't the 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 people you meet in that field of expertise, your mentors, your professors, other balabatim or potential balabatim who you meet, they, all they, all of them can become resources for you down the road. I'll give you a live live example. People, students come to me. They look for internships. Right. And I'm very very uh, feel very strongly they should go every summer they can. No more uh, camp. Right. <laughs> get, get to work. <laughs> no more camp. Uh, and they tell me sometimes they come after they say you know Dean Strauss I'm you know. Uh, I don't think I really gained a lot. You know, I, I had to make Xerox right. copies and I had to get copies. And I said, you know something? You learned every day when you stand uh, at the water fountain and you hear people talk. You learn how to make decisions. You ner- learn how to deal with people. You learn how to make good decisions. You learn what happens when somebody makes a bad decision. We right. all make bad decisions. So believe me, even if you fetch coffee and you made Xerox copies, you learned a lot being in, in 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 that environment. Why does it take till my age to learn these lessons in life? <laughs> Why can't the twenty year olds all know it already? That's my big question. Dean Michael Strauss is here, associate dean of the Sci Sim School of Business. Sim School of Business at YU has been around for quite a while already, right? Twenty eight years now, it's going a, on twenty eight years. Holy cow! I didn't realize it's almost That's thirty right. years. And the advantage of having a business school as part of the Greater Yeshiva University would be. Well, the advantage is, is, is very clear. Uh, every, you know, people want to get into business. Some people want to do a little art. Some people want to become doctors. Some people want to become lawyers. Right. So in a business school, uh, you get the disciplines, uh, what you need in business, finance, accounting, uh, uh, analytics, uh, uh, marketing, management, all the disciplines that one needs 
to uh, succeed in business. And as good as that track was, and it was very good, as you know, 30 years ago at YU, it's even better now because of the specialized track that you now have with Sonic. Well, the specialized track, we also, in the last couple of years, uh, we have brought in some top, top-notch, highly researched uh, professors from Princeton, from Yale, from NYU Stern, from Columbia. Uh, we've uh, changed the curriculum. We upgraded the curriculum. Uh, we've uh, added an honors program. Uh, to the SISM School of Business, we've uh, uh, very, very importantly, we become accredited, which is the good housekeeping uh, seal of approval. Right. We are one of 700 business schools out of 10,000 worldwide who have this accreditation, which in simple language means that we had to get, you know, we had to uh, go Got to get your own piece standard. of paper. Well, right. we had to get three of our own piece of paper, absolutely, <laughs> through certain standards, and we exceeded all those standards. Right. So uh, it's, it's a great school. And one least. thing we can assume is that there's still young people in our community, men and women, that want to pursue business. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. We've got what is it about the Jewish world? in the business world. It's like a natural match, huh? <laughs> Why not? It's exactly. Absolutely. We've had tremendous success in that Tremendous area. success. Over the last couple of years, uh, we have about uh, 750 students now, and it's gone up in the last uh, 15, 50% in the last three years. Right. I just came back from Israel last week interviewing uh, honor students, and we've had... Uh, I've only done it for the last three years in Israel, and I will tell you we had the best, best group of men and women that I've seen in the last three years uh, Highly qualified, smart, bright, uh, aggressive, inquisitive, uh, just wonderful young men and women. Dean Michael Strauss is here, SISM School of Business, Yeshiva University. Uh, so students leave, and excuse my ignorance on this, I just don't know, I'm not familiar with it. They leave with a regular BA degree, a special one when they leave Sims. What happens? No, no, no. They, they have a uh, they well, have what, undergraduate uh, a degree, yeah, yeah, a bachelor's degree. In what we call business? or Yeah, it's a... There's a, there's a BS degree right. and, a, and, and a BA degree, Correct. a BS degree, and uh, a Bachelor of Science, and uh, uh, it's an undergraduate school right. in, in business, and they have they major, they usually major and in either specific. management, either specific management, marketing, finance, accounting, and then from there they're either going to work or to work and uh, in addition pursuing uh, the next school, I guess, in their well, plans. Well, yes, right? they go. It depends. For example, in accounting, if they graduate accounting, they would uh, most likely uh, they need. Uh, more than they need 150 credits as opposed right. to 128 credits, uh, so they would most likely uh, uh, go. You know, we have a master's in accounting, so right. they might go to our master's in accounting. They have to get 150 credits in order to get their qualify for the CPA mm -hmm. exam, and they go right into the uh, business world. Some of them uh, will uh, will take some other courses, but primarily, and the reason we're offering the EMBA program, the executive right. uh, MBA program, uh, is that. Years ago, up until about 10 years ago, uh, most most uh, students who wanted to uh, get the next advanced degree, a graduate degree, would go to work. They'd work three, four years, and then they would take a leave of absence from work and go to a school full-time for a year or two years and get their MBA degree. Right. Uh, the reason was that, number one, the employer, uh, 75, 80, 80, 85% of the employees paid fully paid for the uh, education, but more importantly, when they were done in two years, uh, there was no question about it, they're going to get back to their old job right. and highly likely to get promoted. Right. Unfortunately, uh, things have changed in the last six, eight years. That what system is not the same anymore. The system is not the same. There. What happens now is when you want to get an, MB uh, an MBA, an next degree, uh, you leave the job, uh, the likelihood of getting the job back is very, very low. Right. And more importantly, only 20, 25% of employers pay for it. Right. Therefore, the EMBA becomes much, much more of, a, of an alternative where they stay 
at their jobs. And uh, most MBA programs, and ours is unique, most MBA programs, as you know, uh, on Chavez, right. on, on, on Saturday. And what we have done three years ago, actually, this is going to be the fourth cohort, uh, we have uh, developed an EMBA program uh, that's on Sundays. So that the Shomer Shabbat... Uh, a Shabbos-friendly schedule. Exactly, although it's not restricted to that. Right, understood. Um, Dean Michael Strauss is here. So the EMBA is sort of a um, an answer to the problem of having to leave work and pursuing an MBA. Here you could keep your job and That's stay on course with whatever field you're in in the area of business. That's correct. And as you are growing to be an executive, you can pursue the executive MBA degree. Exactly. Simple Absolutely. as that. Absolutely. How long is the program? I don't mean daily. I mean, how many years it's does it it's take? It's a two-year. It's a two-year program, 48 credits. Uh, is it considered intensive or well, impossible? Or well, it's not, <laughs> What no, do we call it? Uh, quite frankly, we just changed it. it uh, uh, we, uh, we initially had it every Sunday. It was, you know, it was uh, 15, 14 or 15 uh, a week's a semester, semester right. uh, every Sunday uh, for three courses. So they, it was nine to five, and it was uh, it was a little bit intensive, especially for the for the Shomer Shabbat right. because that's the only, only day, day off, that right. they have with their families. So uh, as of next semester, literally next week, and I teach one of the courses, uh, we've trimmed it down to you physically. It's still 14 weeks, but you physically have to be there only two Sundays, and the other two Sundays, uh, we they will have uh, case studies, they will have homework, and there will be an opportunity during a week uh, for them to uh, for us to have a a call or meet with the students on right. a one-to-one basis. And one of the beauties about our program is we keep the size of the cohort pretty small, uh, around 15. Uh, this way, it gives us an opportunity. The professors gives an opportunity to really get to know the people. Uh, which is not much different than the uh, undergraduate. Right. Uh, we know them by name. We know their strengths, their weaknesses. We work with them. We coach them. We have special coaching. And we also help them in their career. So when they have, for example, uh, this cohort, I spend quite a bit of time. They they call me up. They come in. They have issues at work. They're looking to uh, to advance. They want to know what to do. So it's a uh, well. You're known for the personalized service. So I, I'm glad. I love to, it. I'm glad to see that extends to the rest of the faculty as well. I love it. Now, yeah. if it started three years ago, so the first crop of graduates has already occurred. Yes. Yes. Yeah. First, uh, we had 15 that uh, graduated uh, last last June. They are now fully fledged EMBAs. Fully fledged EMBAs, but they're not uh, they're not gone because right. we still communicate to. Still Still part of the the mishpuch of the family. And um, uh, do you have to then, as I mean, you mentioned Sims being accredited? Does the EMBA program have to be well, accredited? It is. Yeah, we uh, it's it's uh, we we obviously are licensed by the state of New York, and we couldn't launch the program right. without getting that license uh, initially. And uh, again, this remains the only Shomer Shabbos program that you know of in the EMBA area. That's great. Well, Turo has a has a program, but uh, we won't talk about that. <laughs> Understood. <laughs> Dean Michael Strauss is here, Sim School of Business, uh, clinical professor of management, assistant to the provost at Yeshiva University. Now, what do we, if the new semester starts now, and essentially it begins next week, right? right. What do we tell people who might be interested in the EMBA program? Are they gonna, are they the ones who would now start in September? Like how yeah, would it yeah. work? In other words, anybody who is listening who's interested, uh, please, uh, well, you can contact me. I can give you my, uh, sure. uh, my number. Number 212-960-0844. Uh, just ask for Michael Strauss, uh, and we will send you an application. Uh, we'll ask you to come in for an interview. Uh, it starts in uh, in the fall. The next cohort will start in the fall. All right, and uh, assume that everyone should assume that it would be a two-year program and that... Uh 
and that uh, how, how do we uh, judge acceptance? I mean, what do people need to have in order to apply well, for this? Well, they need to have an undergraduate right. degree. Do they have to have had already experience in the workplace or not necessarily? Yes, yes, we, uh, yes, definitely. Uh, and it's, it's in their best, uh, best interest, uh, to have because the other, uh, students in the class have experience and the fact that they're working three, four years, uh, gives them, uh, gives them a much, much, much better opportunity, right. uh, to share their experiences and to, uh, better understand the learnings, whether it's economics, whether it's entrepreneurship, marketing. So we're you. not really speaking this morning to college seniors. We're speaking more to people that have been out of college for a couple of years, exactly. have been in the workforce, and now they want to pursue a degree and do it on a schedule that's fitting for them. Absolutely. And we have students uh, that have been out uh, for three years, six years. Right. We had uh, two students that have been out for 15 years. So, uh, But yes, yes, right. we're not talking to seniors right Understood. now. Understood. So now on the subject that I brought up at the beginning of this conversation, if there are parents of these potential students out there who, who, who are inclined to try to convince them that this is a good idea, go to the next level and get get an EMBA what type of uh, uh, what type of encouragement can they give the potential students what should what should a parent or others who want to have influence on these students say to them why would the EMBA you know be beneficial to them down the road well there's no question about it that with an EMBA their uh, opportunity likelihood of uh, being promoted or getting a better job than they have uh, is far greater than if they don't have it because again they get tremendous learnings. Doing so it's opening up a whole new world for them. Absolutely, absolutely. And by the way, if the parents uh, uh, <laughs> are having a, uh, they can call a, you directly. Yeah, up. if they have a tough time, they can call me, or they can encourage their sons or daughters to call me. And I mean that sincerely. I know you mean it, I, 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 folks. Take advantage of Dean Strauss's offer because he will speak on your behalf to the students directly and explain to them why they need to get to the next level and why that official degree will really help them. In terms of attaining, and sometimes they the need to hear level. it from a more objective person than correct, the parents, correct. Right? Yeah, sometimes uh, you know, I, I know this is hard to believe, but kids sometimes are not inclined to listen to their parents' advice. But if yeah. someone like you is on the phone, exactly. they might pay more attention. That's for sure. Um, all right, so that's it. The EMBA program, the next semester begins next week. But those who want to apply and be part of this, you would uh, start in September of 2015 up at Yeshiva University. And the phone number for information is Dean Michael Strauss's number at area code. 212-960-0844. That's 212-960-0844. Before the Shomer Shabbos program existed, it was impossible or just very difficult for very someone? Di- very, very So it was difficult. doable, just really, you yeah. missed a lot of class, essentially. Exactly, exactly. Or, I mean, they have some program right. where you can go four nights a week, uh, which is very difficult. Right, a rigorous uh, schedule. Rig- rigorous s- schedule. But the weekend program uh, is the most, uh, uh, is the one uh, that most people like to go. The weekend EMBA and 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 obviously the, all of them are on Saturdays. Right. Uh, the new semester in general up at Yeshiva College and Stern College and the Sim Sim School of Business begins on Tuesday. Correct. If I'm not mistaken. Yep, so when you anticipate the next semester, is there a, a certain uh, a certain excitement and jubilation? Uh, you know, as you as you await the students to come up to campus next week. It's always uh, it always is when students uh, are in the hallways and they walk around. They come into the office. Uh, uh, the the Yeshiva University, as uh, as you know, Nahum, is uh, is quite different than most uh, most other schools. Uh, we know the students. I mean, the student is not a is not a number. The students are a person. We know them by by name. We, for the most part, when I say we, it's not just myself, uh-huh. the advisors, the faculty. Everybody, uh, it's, you know, as I always say, Yeshiva University is a huge university in terms of resources, but it's a, it's a family. It's a family. 
We know that we know the students. We work with the students. They come into our offices. They chat. We help them in terms of any issues that they have, whether it's uh, I mean, all the way to issues sometimes with their parents when they come in and they <laughs> close the door and they say, uh, "Can I can I talk to you?" So uh, so there is an excitement because right now, quite frankly, when I go back to uh, to the office right now, it's kind of it's quiet. <laughs> it's quiet. The administrative people are there, but you know, the, nobody's walking the hallways. You're waiting for all the excitement to begin. Absolutely. And we wish good luck to all the students as they. They start Tuesday with the next semester. Uh, Dean Michael Strauss, Associate Dean of the Science School, SISIM School of Business. If someone applies from high school to Yeshiva College, do they need to do anything special to make sure they're on the SIMS track? What does the high school senior or those returning from Israel have to do? No. Or they, simply be admitted to simply, YU? You know, they have had uh, to, to have their SAT scores or the ACT scores and fill an application. If, they, if they're in Israel, they should go to our Israel right. admissions office. We have uh, a big admission in, in Jerusalem. Jerusalem uh, and fill the application there again. If they have any questions, have them give me you know have right. give me a call. And, and, they, and, when, and when they register, they're essentially making sure to register for that track of business courses for that track of absolutely. Of well, when initially courses. most most now undergraduate most uh, high school students when they register really don't know what their major right. is, so they would just register at business school. They would take some of the uh, initial uh, core. Uh, uh, Subject like principles of management, accounting, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, first semester, and around the second semester, they'll have a better sense. In the meantime, they will have had several conversations with the advisors, with myself, uh, have better sense which track they want to go. And and look, even after a year, it happens uh, more you know more often than uh, than not uh, when somebody uh, goes for a year and he says, you know, for example, we have people transfer from Yeshiva College to Sims and vice versa. Right. At the end of the year, they say, you know something, I really don't want to take biology. Right. It's too difficult. I'd like to uh, pursue it. So we transfer them. We're still making Jewish doctors and lawyers, aren't we? It's, it's not all business, is it? No, no, There's no, still no. enough. There's, many, there's yeah. many, many, many doctors You're and sure? lawyers. You're meeting biology. those in the sciences up Absolutely. there? Seriously. Oh, no. I know. I'm, you know I'm joking. Yeah, but. I know. I know. <laughs> we do. We do. But <laughs> I don't want the Jewish the Jewish mothers out there to fear that everything's going toward the business no, arm no. of the... And quite <laughs> frankly, when I when I meet with students, uh, Nahum, seriously, when I meet with students, uh, there have been times when I met with them and they say, I want to come into the Science Sim School of Business. And after I talked to them for an hour, I say, you know, you don't belong here. You belong, you know, you belong in Stern or you belong at uh, Yeshiva College. Look, it's not, a, it's not our interest to bring in right. students that belong in our school. We want them, I mean, um, I want them to Yeshiva University first. Understood. But if they're inclined to be a doctor, you want to send them on that track. Absolutely. 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 Phone number for the executive MBA and any information for Dean Michael Strauss that you might have when it comes to the SISIM School of Business and everything happening up at Yeshiva University in that area, 212-960-0844. That's 212-960-0844. Can't thank you enough for being here today. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Our best to all the students, and uh, and we look forward to another great semester up there. It is, uh, you know, so people wonder and question about the future of Yeshiva University. People like you constantly reassure us that the future is as bright as ever. Be there for a long time, way after I leave. Simple as that. It's great, great university. The only game in town. It really is. Thank you so much, Dean Strauss. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. At the Thursday morning broadcast at JM and the M, five minutes before eight o'clock. My thanks to Dean Strauss. Anybody out there who would like a uh, Information about the Executive MBA program or anything at the SISIM School of Business, 212-960-0844. This is JM in the AM. Just kidding, I'm a cool candles on my beat.
a cool eight night Gonna shine invisible, no longer be the visible Born to the struggle, keep on moving through all this hustle Head up, head down, through all of the bustle New York City, wanna flex your muscles Look so down, look so puzzled Fire around your fire through all the rubble I couldn't do a uh, conversation having to do with Yeshiva University and not get the Maccabees on. So there they are with Miracle, yeah, revisiting that great song. JM and the AM wrapping up the 7 o'clock hour. We'll be joined by our friends up at NYU, um, a medical center coming up in just a couple of minutes. And uh, they've got a very important message uh, coming up here at JM and the AM. And uh, plenty more on this Thursday morning. Thanks for uh, listening in. It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey, and around the world on the web, jmtheam.org.
Rich AM in the AM with Ari Boyanju. He is the um, consummate guitarist. Pretty amazing. Uh, that's Ms. Marla Soda off of the Rosh Hashemurot CD. Minute after 8 o'clock on this Thursday. Uh, we have a, uh, a wonderful uh, panel of doctors who are with us uh, live via telephone as we explore a very, very important development in the world of emergency medicine. Those of you who have been on First Avenue in New York City recently uh, at around the 30th Street may have noticed that uh, two plus years after, uh, or two years plus after Superstorm Sandy, the NYU Langone Medical Center has gone ahead and been completely transformed in terms of its emergency care department. Their emergency room got pretty de- devastated uh, back during Superstorm Sandy. And the Dr. Isaac Pinter, our wonderful friend, has arranged for us to speak not only with uh, one of the people who is um, constantly at NYU Langone in uh, Manhattan, but as well one of the uh, doctors from NYU Langone Medical Center in the Cobble Hill section of Brooklyn because they have gone ahead and really expanded from New York City or from Manhattan to Brooklyn. Uh, Dr. Isaac Pinter is Administrative Director of the Department of Behavioral Medicine, NYU Hospital for Joint Disease. Dr. Pinter, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you very much. It's an honor to be on the show, and thank you for having us back. A pleasure. Nice to speak with you, and I'm going to keep uh, Dr. Pinter on uh, even after our initial conversation because he'll, he'll have information for us specifically for our community as they have really, both at NYU and at the facility we know as Joint Disease, have uh, have really uh, upped and stepped up uh, their uh, facilities and the services for the Orthodox community. We'll talk about that coming up. Uh, with us as well via telephone, um, uh, we've got... Um, uh, we've got, uh, Dr. Uh, Robert Femia. Uh, Dr. Robert Femia is Executive Vice Chair of the Ronald Perlman Department of Emergency Medicine and Vice Chair of Clinical Operations at the NYU School of Medicine. And uh, Dr. David Barless is the Chief of Service at the NYU Langone Medical Center Cobble Hill Emergency Department. That's the one I just referenced in regard to the expansion to Brooklyn, New York. Doctors, welcome to JM and the AM. It's great to be here. Thank you. I greatly appreciate it, and thank you for joining us. Dr. Femia, could you describe the devastation that your facility took back toward the end of uh, 2012 with Superstorm Sandy? Well, when the, when the storm hit, uh, we had to close the emergency department. Uh, we were closed for about an 18-month period, and during that time, uh, we were still able to provide emergency services on the 16th floor of the hospital while the emergency department was rebuilt. And uh, when the ED reopened in April, it was a a beautiful thing. We're now a 20,000-square-foot emergency department. (laughs) We're seeing close to 180 patients a day. Uh, Our patients are very sick. About one-third of them end up uh, being admitted to the hospital with strokes and heart attacks. But it's, it's a beautiful facility. Uh, during that time of the storm, uh, we learned or had an opportunity to exercise a lot of workflows really with the best interest of patients in mind, allowing us to see patients very quickly, to expedite their care, uh, and it's, it's allowed us to continue and to thrive in the emergency department and provide uh, care to, to our 
friends and neighbors in the community. You know, Dr. Femi, as you describe all this, I, I am a resident of the Lower East Side of Manhattan, so uh, you know that people from our neighborhood are constantly using your facility. Uh, you're describing <laughs> so many of the things that we went through over the last couple of years, because you know how it is. You got a growing family. You're always going to, you know, chances are you're going to need the emergency room at some point. And uh, we had that experience where, in fact, you know, you get to the lobby, had to go up to the 16th floor because literally the emergency room was closed. I wonder if people out there even understand what that means. Your entire emergency room, you know, was, was unusable. So you have to immediately figure out a way to take care of emergency situations. And that, that in itself was an operation. But what was amazing, what they did at NYU, and I've seen it now up close and personal, again, you know, having been there and, you know, people very close to us are, are at NYU as we speak. Um, what, what's unbelievable and what's so unique is that they used the opportunity to build an even more incredible facility. I mean, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm not a medical guy, so I can't appreciate all the state of the art equipment that you have. But the way it looks, you know, you used a, a really rough situation to rebuild a 2015 facility. That, that would be accurate, right? Just to, to let your audience know, with uh, the leadership of Dean Grossman and the support of the uh, Ronald O. Perlman family, when the emergency department was rebuilt to its uh, 20,000 square feet size, a few other things happened. For example, we were able to build a separate dedicated pediatric area. So we're able to separate out children from adults because there are many things uh, that would be confusing if children had to sit in an emergency department where adults are. So we have a beautiful pediatric section to the emergency department uh, and a very expansive uh, new ED. Uh, and so uh, we're, we're very thrilled and, and probably most importantly, when, before the Superstorm Sandy, we were seeing about 130 patients a day. Now we're seeing close to 180. Wow. And with our increased size, we're able to see people very quickly, uh, get them the care that they need. Um, and we've received a lot of positive comments from both the physicians in the community uh, and our patients. And this is significant, by the way. Those who've been familiar... And this was one of my well-known conversations I had publicly with uh, Mayor Bloomberg at that time. Um, anybody familiar with emergency medicine in New York knows that, you know, for a long period of time, there, there could be long waiting lines and it could take a very long time to get services. If you've added capacity to help uh, another 50 a day, that's very significant in the New York area. Well, not, not only did we grow in size, but we instituted many patient-friendly workflows. Let me give you one for example the old way that many hospitals see patients in the emergency department is you stop in the waiting room, you're registered, your insurance information is, is taken, and then you're brought back to the ER. That's not right. how we do it at NYU Langone uh, in the, the Perlman Emergency Department. So you're taken right back to a bed. Um, and in your bed, uh, we have a team approach where the physicians and nurses will see you at the same time. No more waiting in the waiting room. The only time that we really uh, use the waiting room, if it's, if it's extremely busy, then our nurses will start to see patients there and then bring them quickly back. But basically, we like to say that our waiting room is for families. Uh, it's not for our patients. It's unbelievable. Even these days, all these years after emergency medicine was created, you're always tweaking the system to get better and better, huh? Uh, it's uh, <laughs> it's a 
constant and fun and invigorating challenge. I'm glad you consider it fun because I know it could be really tense and really difficult, but uh, it is a tremendous service to the community, I'll tell you that much. Uh, Dr. Robert Femia, Dr. David Barless are with us. So, Dr. Barless, if um, if the Perlman family and Sandy have to be thanked for the transformation in Manhattan, who has to be thanked for the expansion into Brooklyn? Well, the same family, actually. Um, NYU was and, and, and the Perelman Emergency Services was, was given this opportunity to come into the former Long Island College Hospital site oh. over here in Cobble Hill, Brooklyn. That's where um, it is. The, uh, some of your audience, particularly those uh, from Brooklyn, yeah, probably know what's happened through the years with the Long Island College Hospital, and it's been changing hands, and it really wasn't a... Uh, you know, a, a facility that people had too much faith in its long-term survival. These were all the Lich headlines, right? I mean, this was a that that's correct. Right. And I'm, it was it was a very big deal in New York City, and right. particularly in in this part of Western and Northern Brooklyn. Right. Um, you're probably aware of, of all that's been going on. So, sure. um, the dust has finally settled, I think. And and um, you know, we were given this opportunity, NYU and Perelman Emergency Services, to come in and really determine. Uh, here's a former hospital that served a large uh, part of Brooklyn. Um, take this hospital, and um, we trust you to bring emergency services of of very high quality um, to this part of Brooklyn. So NYU came last summer and really uh, planned, designed, and, and gave the resources to really improve and provide the level of service that you would expect from NYU Perelman in Manhattan. Uh, when uh, did it officially open already? Oh, absolutely. We've been we opened uh, around Halloween last year, um, October 31st, and we've been open uh, a good ten weeks now. And how's it going so far? I mean, is it you know as efficient as you'd like it to be? Very efficient. Um, we we have uh, the physicians are physicians from NYU who go back and forth to um, to the Perelman Emergency Department that Dr. Femi had described, and also to this emergency department. Um, and um, the nurses and physicians really use the same care processes and uh, you know that Dr. Femi had just described um, for the patients here in Brooklyn. So we're bringing the same uh, expertise and quality of care to this new emergency department, which is rather unique. It's, it's what's termed a freestanding emergency department. Yeah. Uh, what, that, what that means is really it's got the full resources and facilities and expertise that any emergency department would have, uh, the only difference being that there's no attached hospital, so there's no operating room, there are no consultants right. in the rest of the hospital. So but what it does mean, though, is that there's a full lab and a full pharmacy and anything you might need for any patient that may walk through the door. So when a patient needs to be admitted, are they often heading to the NYU facility in Manhattan? Um, that's correct. Um, if a patient, well, first of all, we can treat a lot of patients right here in the emergency department you know with modern technology right. and we have a we have a 24/7 cat scan we have a pharmacy with 400 medications with a lot of this we can actually treat the patient and send them home from here so about 5% of the patients we end up admitting so we have um, agreements with NYU Langone uh, to admit patients with particular diseases, especially serious illnesses requiring ICU care. And we also have an agreement with uh, our new partner, Lutheran Hospital, um, in, in, in southern Brooklyn, 
um, to uh, take care of other patients that, uh, you know, they're very close to us, and we can get patients over there within 10 minutes uh. if need be. But they do provide us a level of expertise and consultants that we use for patients who require it. All right, so you have important options in terms of uh, if, if someone does, in fact, have to be admitted at that point. Uh, Dr. Pinter, this is a very big development for our neighborhoods of Brooklyn, New York, right? I mean, Cobble Hill is pretty close to a lot of very heavily Jewish neighborhoods out there. Very much so. You know, Williamsburg and, uh, you know, Crown Heights, Borough Park, Flatbush, very much so. And we, uh, we're proud of, and, and, uh, of these services that are already being provided. It's just 10 weeks that we're there, uh, and we've just gotten wonderful uh, feedback from, from members of our community. Very nice. All right, we're talking about uh, what's happening at the NYU in New York City with its incredible brand-new state-of-the-art emergency facility. Uh, and, of course, now the expansion to Brooklyn, New York, at the Litch site, Long Island College Hospital site, Dr. Robert Femia, Dr. David Barless with us, and of course, Dr. Pinter is with us as well. Um, I, I, I can only imagine, uh, Dr. Femia, the, uh, how difficult it must be and how challenging it must be to now remain, uh, at the top of this industry. I can't imagine that there's an emergency facility that can match yours in this area at this point, and now the challenge is staying number one, huh? Well, I, I, I think that the, the challenge always is to try to find ways to constantly improve. Um, and the key, I think, on our end is that we're committed to, to that approach, that we're always looking for ways to get better. And, and I'll give you an example. Um, when we look at stroke patients, for example, we know that uh, in every, for every minute that someone's having a stroke, two million brain cells die. Right. And so we look at all of our workflows and say, okay, where can we save 30 seconds here? Where can we save 15 seconds there? Um, where can we make uh, one phone call if needed? How can we automate things? So we're constantly looking for ways to improve care to patients. And so that's making sure that we're very efficient, uh, waking, making sure that we work with our partners, whether they're in the EMS community, with our consultants. And so far we've been very successful. Uh, we, we have outstanding um, results as far as patient outcomes. Uh, when we look at national benchmarks, we're at the very top 1% or in the 99th percentile for our care of heart attack, stroke, and sepsis, which is severe infections. And I think the greatest thing is uh, the teamwork that we have. We have a dedicated group of nurses and physicians that work side by side and are constantly reaching out to the community, the community physicians, our consultants, and, and saying, well, how can we make this just a little better? Um, how can we provide more information to patients and families? Um, how can we work with EMS, our consultants? And um, you've seen a little bit of the proof in the results. We've right. gone from 130 patients a day to 190. People are not waiting. They're seen immediately. Our patient satisfaction scores are very high, and our clinical outcomes are high. So. Dr. Femia, forget about that. I just got a text from a family member reminding me how the last few experiences our family's had in the emergency room over there have been very nice experiences. As I said earlier, even if, thank God, you have a growing family with you know everybody doing well and, thank God, everybody healthy, you're always going to need an emergency room at some point. You know what I mean? 
No, no, I'm, I'm glad that uh, we're getting some um, unsolicited feedback from your family. So that's fantastic. No, because thank God. I mean, you know, I know, you know blue-eyed horror, as we say. Thank God everyone's fine and well. But you know how it is. There's always, there's always something that comes up, and you want it to be a good experience. And by the way, uh, Dr. Femi, I should mention as well, you know, I mentioned this when uh, Dr. Barless was presenting about Brooklyn. And obviously a noticeably Jewish presence, I'm sure, in Cobble Hill. But you in Manhattan as well. You see, uh, you see plenty of people from our community on a regular basis. Uh, we do, we do, and um, uh, we we have outreach to multiple communities. One of the communities, or one of the, the providers that we work very closely work uh, is Hot Solo, the ambulance. Right. Um, they've been outstanding partners. They've given us feedback. Myself and Dr. Barless have gone out to the community uh, and, and spoken with with uh, members of the community to get their feedback on how we're doing, what we uh, need to do to improve, and it's, it's been a, a great relationship. Yeah, no question about it. And uh, Dr. Pinter, you remember the days when barely anybody from our community was coming up to uh, NYU, right? I mean, you remember those days early on, and, and today is a marked difference at this point. Right. I, you know, I think there's another uh, an important uh, development that I think that Dr. Femi can maybe just address is the fact that we have a very we have a separate pediatric emergency right. room setting. Yeah, he mentioned that, which is really I, I wonder if anybody else even has that. Dr. Femi, is this a, an NYU invention at this point? You see, certain places do have pediatric emergency departments. What we've done uh, is we have a separate area that's just for children. So once once patients come in, um, once we, re- we see that it's a child, they go to a separate area. Um, and not only is, this, is it a separate private space specifically engineered with children in mind to make it comforting, to relieve fear and anxiety, but the, the team of physicians and nurses are all specialized uh, physicians and, and nursing staff that have received uh, additional training in the care of children, whether right. it's for small illnesses and injuries like ear infection or throat infection, to life-threatening problems with breathing, to children that have um, had uh, congenital heart problems. So, and that's uh, 24 hours a day that that the expertise is available. And when you combine that expertise with an outstanding physical environment, it, it really it's a nice experience for patients and families. Yeah, no question about that. And uh, Dr. Barless, Dr. Femi, of course, mentioned the Hatsala and the emergency services that we're so used to in our community. Have they in Brooklyn uh, already discovered that you and Cobble Hill exist? Yes, they were actually one of the first groups to discover us, and we're very excited about having this other option available to them. As you know, uh, Cobble Hill is very close to Williamsburg, right. which has, uh, I believe, two or three bases for Hatsola and is very active. I actually visited over there on Monday of this week. Um, I was over on uh, Park Avenue in, uh, in, in Williamsburg, actually, in one of the newer um, Orthodox communities that's expanding from Williamsburg. Right. And I also visited with the ODA Medical Clinic, which is a very active clinic um, for the community. And um, I visited with their dispatch center and saw many of the really dedicated volunteers. And, and they really went through a lot of their procedures and protocols. And I, I, I really were, was impressed by the amount of expertise and organization that they displayed. And they've actually been, been coming here almost on a daily basis with patients. And they um, have developed procedures where they actually can determine, well, 
you know, we're picking up a certain patient. This is what they need. And if it's something mild to moderate or relatively, uh, you know, milder medical condition, they bring it to Cobble Hill where our, our resources are available, the physicians are available, the waiting times are less. Um, and if a patient needs, though, um, more intensive services, they, they know to go to, to NYU right. where they have been going in the past. So, so if they're in they're communi- very happy to have the new availability of another right. option for patients to stay in Brooklyn. And if they're in communication with someone like you, you may say to them, or any of your, obviously, your medical personnel may say to them, you know what? Our suggestion is go to Manhattan immediately. Oh, that's very good. You really you have all the bases covered, as we like to say. Um, think, um, if, if I could just explain Sure, Doctor. Go ahead. Is um, the, the just to, to make sure that your listeners are clear that our services in in Brooklyn at Cobble Hill, um, it's the same level of it's the same physician and nursing staff that are all experts in emergency medicine and critical care, uh, and so. At Cobble Hill, we have the ability to care for all sorts of illnesses and injuries, including life-threatening illnesses and injuries. So the way that that would happen is one example would be, let's say you have a cough and a fever. We have CAT scans. We have X-ray. We have lab. We have pharmacy, just like any emergency department. Um, And if you were to go to Cobble Hill, we would make the diagnosis, and if we determined that you had a pneumonia, we start some intravenous antibiotics, and at that point that you would require admission to the hospital, um, we have ambulances on site, and we ask the patient if they have a preference of a hospital, um, and then we've worked with, our, with NYU, with Langone in Manhattan, with partners in Brooklyn, and we will bring you to be admitted to the hospital um, of your choice. Typically, the patients have chosen uh, NYU in Manhattan or Lutheran, uh, but let's say you had something more serious. We've we've seen patients there that have had life-threatening intracranial hemorrhages, um, very bad infections. The physicians and nurses are all skilled as they travel back and forth and work at the, our sites in our NYU Langone in Manhattan to immediately treat and stabilize and provide life-threat, life-saving interventions. So if your blood pressure is very low if you really can't breathe and you need to be put on a ventilator. We do all those things. Right. We have the skill and expertise to do it, and then we're able, well, once you're stabilized, to work out a very short transfer. And one of the keys of that transfer is that we keep two ambulances waiting there, sole purpose just to transfer you to right. another location. But that transfer only occurs after you've been stabilized. And the skill set of our physicians is the very same Yeah, we got the picture. It's a it's a good system. I'll tell you that much. We certainly got the picture. Dr. Robert Femia is um, executive vice chair of the Ronald O. Perlman Department of Emergency Medicine and vice chair of clinical operations at NYU School of Medicine. And I recommend if you want to see an incredible state of the art facility, it even it even looks that way from the outside when you're on First Avenue in Manhattan, you'll see the brand new NYU facility. As I jokingly say, thanks to the Perlman family and of course the Superstorm Sandy as well. And uh, Dr. David Barless, he's the chief of service at NYU Langone Medical Center, Cobble Hill Emergency Department in Brooklyn. They have an association, obviously, with NYU Langone in uh, in Manhattan, but also with Lutheran Medical Center in Brooklyn if someone needs to be hospitalized. And this brand new Cobble Hill facility takes care of emergency. 
emergencies and any type of emergency cases, uh, obviously, from all the different Brooklyn neighborhoods. Uh, I'm going to keep Dr. Pinter on to get a word about some of the services for our community. Uh, Dr. Femia and Dr. Barlas, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Continued success with these incredible brand-new emergency facilities. Uh, thank you for having us. Yes, thanks. It's been an honor to be here. I appreciate that. A pleasure to both of you providing very important services for our community. Dr. Pinter, uh, it's amazing what's happened over the last 20 years, huh? <laughs> there were times when people from our community would not be seen in certain uh, medical facilities in New York City, and now those same facilities not only have an incredible Jewish population, as we outlined earlier, not only have Beaker Holm services, etc., which we're going to address in a moment, but you actually have now at NYU one or more people who are specifically designated to deal with the Jewish community, that if somebody in the community has a special need, I don't know, speaks uh, you know only Yiddish and nothing else and a million other types of situations, you have people dedicated 24 hours a day just to deal with those cases. That's right. It's uh, literally a 24-7 uh, you know, operations. We have uh, Israel Rausman, Israel Rausman, Israel Rausman, who is the uh, yeah, he's great. Uh, senior patient, uh, you know, navigator plus. I mean, he just... Uh, you know, as we talk about NYU, I think we just need to, it's only appropriate, you know, when we speak about the Chesed activities and the Bikacholim work that's done at NYU, uh, we must mention and never forget, well, you know, Kalei Yisrael's, you know, angel of mercy. That's right. Mary Blubling, Alal right. Shalom, who she really opened, NYU she, at right. her central headquarters. She you know, opened the hospital up to our community when you think about it. That's right. That's right. And 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 uh, you know and 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 that's what we're trying to emulate. We're trying to follow. She was superhuman. She was larger than life. And we're only human beings, you know. But uh, I think you know, Yisrael Rausman and uh, and the Brach, who's there at NYU, they really uh, step step in and 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 and, t- and, ca- and take care of all aspects of of the medical needs of our, of our community. Whether and and eventually, medical referrals, whether it's being on the spot navigating the patient through the system. It's just one of a kind of an operation that's there. And eventually, I'm sure you'll have the same type of person at Cobble Hill also, probably. That's same correct. thing. That's right. correct. You know, and I, you know, and I try to do that at, at Hospital for Joint Disease. Yeah, you're, ba- you're basically the, you're the one who always did this until I finally hired somebody official to do it. You were, you were the one who suffered through the early years. Let me tell you, Dr. Pinter, you were always there well, for everybody. It, it was a schuss, and it continues <laughs> to be a you know, schuss for, for all of us who are involved. We have our Bikacholim rooms. We have the Bikacholim apartments working closely with the Satma Bikacholim. Uh, that's uh, very closely connected to the hospital, the risk of alpha right. uh, agencies, and and it's 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 uh, it's, it's a schuss. It's a, it's a privilege, and, and and knowing that we're involved with a first-rate medical center at large that is open to our community, and our community has direct access at all levels um, around the clock to get into the best doctors and best medical care that can be provided for them. Uh, we're here to help. You have a new bigger column room. Um, as you mentioned, you know, whatever services are needed are there. Is there a best way for people to get in touch? I mean, if they if they would even ask at the admitting office at NYU for a Jewish liaison, I, I guess the office would have a number at this point to give to them, right? Yeah, absolutely. Simple I mean, as the that. office for uh, Israel Rausman is 212 uh, uh, his cell number, I hope he, uh, he gives me permission <laughs> to give it out, is 917-363-3079 within the NYU School of Medicine at large at NYU Tisch, NYU Langone Medical Center. And at the Hospital for Joint Disease, my cell number is 917 
uh, we're always here to be available and to help. We learned one thing we learned from Mrs. Lubling Alal Shalom. She never accepted no right. uh, for an answer. When a patient tried to get into a doctor's office, she just followed through with that request, and she never she never accepted a no from a doctor. I mean, right. she never said no to a patient, and never accepted no's from from doctors. And that's what we were trying to emulate and, and follow her footsteps. All right, Dr. Pinder, always great speaking to you. If anybody needs any help at any of the facilities, uh, NYU, Joint Disease, uh, and now the brand-new Cobble Hill, they can be in touch, as you said, with you, with uh, Yusrael Rossman or any of the people that uh, are working hard on behalf of the community. And um, I continue to do what you're doing. Oh, and by the way, uh, please send my best to both Dr. Rakito and Dr. Feldman. Tell both of them they better be listening to JM and the AM these days. We'll do so. Great. Thank you very much again. Thank you, Dr. Pinter. Dr. Isaac Pinter, Administrative Director, Department of uh, Behavioral Medicine at the New York, uh, NYU, rather, a Hospital for Joint Disease. And as we, as I always say, uh, with everything going on now with these hospitals, and there is a tremendous explosion in terms of services for the uh, Jewish community. It all started with Dr. Pinter many, many years ago, and I thank him. He has been so helpful to us and to the greater Jewish community. Thursday morning broadcast. Plenty more coming up. Keep it right here at JM in the AM.
J.M. in the A.M. That's Benny Friedman. When Rabbi Ganak, Rabbi Menachem Ganak, uh, visits us here at J.M. in the A.M., I'm always worried about what announcement he has. Let's pray that we could still eat Oreos Shabbos afternoon. Let's pray that the O.U.D. on Oreos does not mean real dairy. Rabbi Ganak, this is not a visit to warn us about anything like that, right? This is no, not, not at this all. is not a warning to tell us that that O.U.D. is a real dairy O.U.D., is it? No, not at all. Thank God. Okay, so now that we're past that, we can continue with the substance of our conversation. It's a great pleasure that we welcome Rabbi Menachem Ganak and Arnie Lustiger into our studio. The brand new Chumash for Sefer Shmos is called Chumash Mesora Sarav, Chumash with commentary based on the teachings of Rabbi Joseph B. Soloveitchik. Uh, Shmos, a new earth edition uh, book of Shmos is out. You should know the impact that this already has made among my listeners. Because last Thursday, during my Judaica segment, which I do Thursday afternoon with Shlomi Eichler, we we started talking about Masaras Harav, and immediately on our app, someone commented, I just went to the website and bought it. So obviously there is a a certain enthusiasm. when, and, and we discussed this last time the both of you were here. There is an enthusiasm when anything brand new that has to do with Rabbi Soloveitchik is released to the public. Uh, tell us about this. Tell us about the... the Getting to this point of releasing the Shmos Masaras Arav. Well, uh, after after we uh, we last spoke, I uh, we worked feverishly on Shmos to get it out on time. <laughs> um, Shmos is uh, there. There is a lot of material on Shmos, especially from Rabbi Ganak's Haggadah. Right. There's a lot of material the Rav had to say about the Haggadah. So the first three or four parshios are in, are in very good shape. He had a lot to say about Kisisa. So uh, mm. the challenge wasn't finding material in this case. It was more. Fitting it in. Right. <laughs> As a matter of fact, in this particular uh, volume, the Shmos volume, uh, there's not only commentary, but there are two um, appendices. Because there was one appendix, it's amazing, one appendix is on the introductory verse to the Ten Commandments, to the Aseris HaDibros. Mm. Rather prosaic sounding verse by Daber Elohim as Kol Hadvarim Right, there's drama to it. There's, well, there's, th- th- well th- th- I mean, if you just read it, right. you, you could read it very dryly. Right. On the other hand, the Rav has ten pages. There are ten pages in the appendix of that, on that verse on alone. On that one sentence of and the Chumash. And you get the brilliance of the Rav and it's comes not through. A, and I've I got to be careful the way I'm about to say this. It, there's a limit to the substance in that sentence, right? It's sort of an it would int- sound like right. It, it sounds it would like sound there's like not it. much there, right? What does "kol" mean? By "laber Elohim," why is "Elohim" used in that context? What does is "kol" hadvarimoila? And then "leimar." What does the word "leimar" mean? He has a whole beautiful Torah about what "leimar" means, Rabbi just, Gidak, and you don't understand what the word means until you until you read this. Rabbi really- Gidak, how many times as a Talmud of the Rav did you have that experience where you, there was a piece of Gemara or Chumash or something that the Rav was addressing, and you as a Talmud would say, "Well, it doesn't seem like anything special here," you know, just a a rate. And sure enough, the depth that the Rav brought out in it, you know, surprised you. Well, I was in the Rav Shiva for almost 20 years, I'd have to say, every single day. I mean, he was just, you know, he used to modestly say, well, I'm, I'm, all I am is a Malamid. But then he, you know, he but it's not so bad to be a Malamid. After all, Kodesh Baruch is Malamid. I'm Malamid, Torah, I'm Yisrael. So, you know, what he represented, what, you know, the Briskaderach manifests itself is, is just the extraordinary clarity. And, you know, after, if you posed with the question, you posed the question, but then afterwards, say, isn't that so obvious, you know? Yeah, what, what kind of question is that? It, it, you know, and then after he, you know, showed the structure and the sugyo, the, 
It was just so stunningly beautiful. You, and when Robert Weinberg was here, we also discussed this. We, we always talk about, I think you and I have said that, you know, he, he loved Yom Kippur, right? The, right. the Maybe, the, arguably, the Rub's favorite day of the year, Yom Kippur. Correct. And Robert Weinberg and you have discussed what he felt about Tisha B'Av and the Kinnis, and, and obviously, you know, every yunt of a certain affinity. But Pesach and the Haggadah also, we would say, would be at the top of the list, right? Yeah, absolutely. There was absolutely. something... After all, that's, you know, his mandate was to teach, and that, that's the mandate right. of uh, Pesach. The teaching holiday, right, 100%. And a lot of that material, as Arnie said, works its way into the Shmos Chumash that you had worked on when it came to the Agada at that point, right? Yes. That's, uh, yes. that's a lot of it. Um, this is available out there, right? This is already out. This is out. Uh, at this point, it, the the boat left Israel two weeks ago. <laughs> it's um, It actually is arriving today. Uh, we think it will be uh, – there was actually a um, uh, an air freight of limited amount. There are 200 that are out distributed among various bookstores. Oh, so that's probably uh, the one my listener got. That could be. Right. could very well be. Um, and uh, if, if anybody's interested in it today or tomorrow, um, they should call their bookstore and see if they, if they in fact have it. This volume was dedicated, obviously, very recently to the memory of Rabbi Moshe Tversky. Rabbi Tversky was one of the victims of the Harnov massacre uh, that just happened uh, in Yerushalayim. And uh, Rabbi Ganak, you could certainly say uh, something about the yes. Tversky family and, and Rabbi Moshe Tversky. Well, as this was going, to, literally as the volume was going to print, the tragedy in Hanof occurred. And um, all of us thought that it was appropriate to dedicate this volume to Rabbi Moshe Tversky. Moshe was the apple of the Rav's eye. I, I, I knew him from the time he, before he was by mitzvah. When he first was learning an onset by the Rav that summer after his w- wife passed away after the Six-Day War. And just the magnitude of the loss is extraordinary. He was very much very much a nister. People, he would have been one, you know, one of the Gdole Hador. He was already just, he would have been revealed in terms of his his piety, his humility. He spent literally all night learning, barely slept, um, and his chesed, he was really very, and this was, this was always his quality about his consistency and his humility. Um, we only had a few vams initially, and I sent one of them to the Rav's daughter, Tartara Tversky. Right. I think she that was would also, be Rabbi Tversky's mother. Right, and she right. was very moved by, you know, that it was dedicated to Moshe. Just that, you know, this, with the, the tragedies that happen in Israel, the terrorist attacks, they... Unfortunately, that happened. Now we can't just say Israel, you know, worldwide. Right. But when when Moshe Twisky was killed, it just came so close because he, in terms of not just personally, but in terms of you know what our community represented, this was Salvatics, you know, intellectual heir. He 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 was so close to him. He loved him. So he used to learn with him. I remember when privately when he was just a high school boy, he learned big parts of of Kutchin with him. This so was his oldest office. grandson. This was his oldest grandson. Atar and Yitzhak, Yitzhak Tversky was a professor at Harvard. The volume is in memory of Rabbi Moshe Tversky, son of Rabbi Dr. Yitzhak Isidore and Dr. Atara Tversky, grandson, as we mentioned, of the Rav, the Rav's oldest grandson. It says here, he was the apple of the Rav's eye, an extraordinary intellect, a brilliant Talmud Chacham, a devoted and caring Rebbe to his students, a man of quiet dignity and reserve, singular devotion and profound humility, a loving husband, father, and grandfather, cruelly cut down. In the prime of life, and uh, you you make such an important point about the Harnoff massacre as well. Another reason why it really hit so many people around the world is because every one of the victims was uh, you know from different communities, many of them from the United States. And as as, as much as of course every terror attack uh, hits the collective Jewish heart, this one was especially painful. 
and in this regard, even more so, as you said. And one of the ripple effects of what the enemy does to us, one of the ripple effects is something you just touched on, the Torah, the dedication to the Talmidim, the effect of Zerebi. Unfortunately, that's now lost uh, for the future, for those who would right. have been... And on his family itself. Yeah, of you course. Know. You know, I had... We, we put out different mesechtas from the Rav, and Moshe had agreed to work on Harius. And I know he's learning with his son, Harius, and... You know, had he lived to complete it, it would have been something extraordinary. And that's not an area of Talmud that most people pursue, right? No, but the Rav learned it one summer. It's a small Masechta, but he just gave just beautiful shurim on Harius. They were just stunning. I think we've discussed this before, how once in a while you'd be treated to the Rav pursuing what we would consider to be obscure sections of Talmud or, or general well, it, Jewish it, learning. Right. I mean, the Rav wasn't limited to, so, so, so to speak, Yeshiva's Masechta. Right. He, 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 he used to learn, you know, different mesechtas, and especially in the summer, he'd learn different inyanim, havayas, damskatis, and svachim, krisus, nazir. That um, was the rum summer vacation. Let's do a little kudshin, right? <laughs> That's how I'm going to spend my spare time. I remember the rum once telling me that he, he thought that Kalim was his best mesechta. <laughs> what? Who's going to go for heaven, you know? <laughs> Who's going to argue with him right. about it? <laughs> Unbelievable. All right, uh, Artie Lustiger, could you give us a, uh, a a section of the brand new Schmoes that we should, uh, I know, give us a taste, a pasuk, a commentary, something that would be emblematic of what we'll gain when we purchase the Chumash Mesoros Arav on Shmos. All right. It says, last week's parsha, Vayayonchu b'nei Yisrael min ha'avodah, v'tal shavasam el ha'alokim min ha'avodah. Okay. Um, a, uh, the the Rav described the difference between pain and suffering. An animal experiences pain. It's a stimulus, reacts to the stimulus, and then the animal doesn't, he reacts to the stimulus and then walks away, just continues living the way a normal animal would. A slave, similarly, there's no reflection on the pain that the person is, is going through. You live day to day, minute to minute. Many concentration camp survivors uh, re- recorded this. Um, you, d- you don't have the time to reflect even upon the, the injustice that's being done to you. It's an isolated experience. Right, exactly. Each pain, each pain right. sensation is an isolated experience that you don't put together and say, this just is wrong. It should not be happening. Along comes Moshe and he smites the Egyptian who was, who was in turn um, uh, smiting the, uh, the Israelite. Um, all of a sudden the people found out about this and they say, you know, what we're going through is wrong. This is injustice. This is, all of a sudden they experience suffering. At that moment, that groan, that groan was a groan not of pain but of suffering. Their could there, that groan, uh, that cry arose before Hashem. The, ray, the, ray, the, ray, the way the Rebbe explained Vatal is means that he, he essentially upgraded it. He upgraded that, 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 um, he promoted that, um, that cry from a wordless cry to a prayer. He, within, uh, right. so God promoted that to a prayer and through that, that's where, how the Gula took place. Right. That's, and that one, that's one reason we're so much Gula Tefillah. The, the, the uh, Hashem Geula is a result of, of the tefillah because the tefillah right. is that that Correct. anguish expressed in the cry exactly. to God. That's that's and that, and that's a prerequisite to prayer. Uh, right. The Rav the said very often without without feeling that suffering, prayer really is meaningless. Everybody has some level of suffering in his life, whether it's existential, whether it's very real. Um, he has everybody has that that sense of suffering, and without that sense of suffering, you really don't have prayer. Right. 
Rabbi Yannak, what do you think? Not that we're asking you to evaluate the Rav, but uh, <laughs> that that would be emblematic of something. Yes, it was something he would, he would <laughs> based on the Ramban, and he would, he would quote it often. Like sometimes that God listened to the cry, but he, he, he accepted it as, as a prayer. Uh, the Rav's attitude toward Moshe's leadership, uh, and maybe we could extend it to what he felt leadership was in the Jewish world in general. What could you tell us about that? Well, you know, if I'm going to say another word from the, sure. you know, which Arnie beautifully writes about, but it's a theme that he would return to the Rav often, so you'll, especially in the first few sedras, is that Moshe is a shliach hakel. And that shlichus, that he's God's proxy, the Rav said, is actually, Moshe, actually in this respect, which we see in this week's Pasha, Moshe is different than the Ovis and Avram, for example, because Avram is a man, his greatness was that he discovered God. Right. The Rambam says from the time he was a little child, the Medrash from even as young as three years old, he was searching to discover God, but God doesn't appear to him until he's 75 years old. So, a shliach means that you're appointed by somebody, but mishaleach. A shliach, mishaleach looks for a shliach. It's not the reverse, that a shliach, the, the agent is looking for somebody to appoint. If without that appointment, he can't be a shliach hakel. God appears to Moshe, as, as we see at the beginning of the prophet. I, I appeared to him, but to the others, that wasn't the case. Um, so, in a, to the others, it's only later. They, they, they on their own discover God. But Moshe, when God first appears to him there at the burning bush and first gives him his mission, right, he's he says, he's giving, I'm giving you a shlichus. Right. And Wait, which that, is better? Well, I would think Moshe's position is harder. Uh, maybe right? indeed. You, I mean, as one of the others, you grow into this relationship with God and then right. proclaim how important that relationship is between humans and God to the world. With Moshe, he's a, he's an innocent young guy who's, you know, right. who wants to go about his day and then God comes and says, I have something I need you to do. He was, he's in a very difficult spot. And, well, he's more than, you know, Moshe is the most reluctant of right. prophets, unwilling almost to accept this, this mission. But the Rav said, that in terms of this halach of Moshe, Mo, you know, in next week's Pasha, it says, which is also alluded to in this week's Pasha, Boel Paro. It really should say, Lechel Paro, right. go to Paro. But what the Rav said, what, what God is telling him, this shlichus that you have, Moshe, I'm not going to abandon you. I'm not just sending you, as usually an agent goes to, you know, consummate a deal, a business, or what shlichus right. or kedushin, but the, the, the Mashalech doesn't go, I'll be there. Indeed, I'll be there before you come. So, Bo El Paro. And of course, the halachic model of that, the Rav said, is the shlich tzibur. Because the, the one who davens for the tzibur, which is real shlichus, the, you know, the only time the Rav point down in the Mishnah, this is of course an idiomatic expression throughout the Gemara that we're all familiar with, shluchel shal adam kamoso, a man's agent, his proxy, it acts and is affected as if he does it. But that, that expression actually only appears once in the Mishnah, in, in Maseches Brochus, as relates to shlich tzibur. That, that's the only time it's... The only time in Mishnah. In Gemara, many times. Right. But in the, in the Mishnah, that's the only, that's what's derived from. Right. Because it's a real deal of shlichus. But the shlich of a shlich tzibur is patterned after Moshe's shlichus in the sense, God's, Kadshpocha the tzibur in this case is going with the, with the, uh, with the shlich tzibur. And, and it's not just Moshe Rabbeinu that I've pointed out. Each of us have a certain mission in life, a certain shlichus. The but said, we're never said it directly, it's never said directly to us by the mouth of God. Well, it's not, but you know, the, the Gemara says in Nida, um, that each child in utero, as a fetus, 
the Malach makes him swear to you that Tzadik Veloti Yavosha. That, 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 make that swearing is because it's a Shlichus. Like when Avam Avinu gives a Shlichus to his servant Eliezer to find, you know, the proper wife for Yitzchak. So he, he makes him swear. That, that, Oath that's imposed on us in utero even is because each person has a mission. The Rav quoted Rav Cook. Rav Cook has a wonderful uh, expression in the davening in the Ilu. We say Elokai Achlonet Notzati Enukadai Vaachshus Notzati Ilu No Notzati. What do those enigmatic words mean? So Rav Cook said Elokai Achlonet Notzati till I was created. I wasn't worthy, and I, was, I couldn't fulfill my mission right. because, in others, everybody has to be. Is God puts them in a specific point in time in history to fulfill their mission, and that's what we're bemoaning at the end of Nehemiah. Till I was created, I couldn't fulfill my mission. But now that you've put me and I've been born and I've set to fulfill that mission, it's as if I wasn't created because I'm not fulfilling that mission properly. The frustrating so part is sometimes people spend a lifetime trying to discover what their mission is. Right. That's also true. But the, 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 the no, but the, that sense of Moshe Rabbein, the right. shlichus, each of us has a mission. Right. And we, when, as we, to, you know, to paraphrase, as we strut across this stage to, you know, to fulfill that to fulfill that mission. Right. And I think the love, when we speak about the love, and which is d- demonstrated by this, by this sitter, excuse me, by this bencher, I'm coming back to this chumash, to the shmos, <laughs> especially to the shmos, is that sense of mission that the love had in terms of teaching. You know, Atara Tversky, Dr. Tversky asked me, you know, who's the editor of it? Which so magnificently done. So I told her, which something which I learned when we were on the show together last time. Right. About how Arnie became Arnie, the top of the how, how he came Because the love once came and spoke at U of P, University right. of Pennsylvania, where he was a student at the, I presume he was a student at the yeah. time. And he heard he was so inspired by him that he wanted to... Uh, and then someone kept sh- sending tapes to you, right? I was, guess I was able to... You were able to secure that. the... So I told ta- you, know, I don't remember the love even speaking U of P. So I said, you know, I remember it well. I wasn't there, but I remember Morty Feuerstein, who was then like one of the Rav's Gaboyim or Shemoshim, went with him to U of P. But uh, originally, I think it must have been sponsored by the Hiller, I, I would imagine. It was, by, it was actually by the faculty uh, colloquium. It was uh-huh. by, uh, by the, well, by the, the, the sociology, sociology uh-huh. department. But originally they wrote, you know, Rabbi Salvech, a great theologian, and the Rav said, you know, coming back to what I said, I'm not a theologian. I'm a Malamid. I teach Torah. So he, they, they insisted afterwards that they change, the, that, you know, his, how right. they designate him. You know? Why is it that we could speak about the Rav for hours and hours? It's, anytime someone walks into this studio on the topic of the Rav, it, it, it just could be endless, the conversation. It's unbelievable. He, he, he was such a fascinating, multi, you know, multifaceted person, and he was just... So profound and so charismatic, but it's true. When people begin to speak of the Rav or delve into his talk, and this say for Shmos, this this commentary on Shmos, which which Arnie G- me, put together, sorry, just, yeah. just demonstrates. Hey, give me something on Kisisa. You mentioned Kisisa. I'm assuming you mean the Mishkan, and right? I mean, it's very interesting because you mentioned Moses' leadership. Right. Appendix B discusses Moses' leadership <laughs> and how it changed fundamentally in Parshas Kisisa. A change? A change. There was a change in Moses' leadership. What was um, it before Kisisa? Was, remember Leich Raid? Right. Says Leich Raid. He says, oh, the, 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 the golden calf incident. The, the, the golden calf incident. Oh, okay? right. right? Leich Raid. What does Rashi say? Raid b'gdulascha. You're demoted, Moshe. You're demoted. Okay, so now what does that mean? He's demoted. Um, then Moshe, Hashem changes the conversation. He says, Vayomer Hashem al Moshe, 
Um, I've seen this nation and it is a stiff-necked nation. Leave me, leave me, and I will destroy them. Moshe, so what does it mean? What is God telling me? Leave me. Me, it's up to, that, Rashi says, I see it's up to me. That if, if you I, resign. If I argue, if I argue on their behalf, they'll be saved. Right. If I don't argue on their behalf, they won't be saved. That relationship all of a sudden changes. All of a sudden, Moshe became a leader who sacrifices on behalf of the people. Up to now, miracles came, you know, pretty easily. You know, the Red Sea, all the, right. the, the plagues, um, everything. He so had now, miracles at his disposal. So now Akash Baruch who's saying, if you stick with them, I'll stick with them. That's, That's what he sees essentially right. In other words, what, if you, if you sacrifice so on their behalf. Got a big Decision to make. He has a big. In other words, he could. He could. He uh, can get. He can get out of this thing finally. Exactly. Right? <laughs> exactly right. He said, he said, "You and your children will make a new a new nation right. out of you." And God, and, and Moses said, "No." Moshe said, "No. I, I I stick with this nation." All of a sudden, that, that there's a huge sacrifice that he makes, and that sacrifice is a transformation in Moses' leadership, and that takes place in in uh, unbelievable. In unbelievable. All right, the brand new Chumash Masoras Harav. Shmos will be in your stores everywhere in the next day or two, and next some some days, stores yeah. already have it. The New Earth Edition, uh, Rabbi Ganak, this is another OU Press release, right? This is from yes. OU Press. The mission continues to release amazing works, whether it's the... The Rav- Shlichus, the mission. Exactly. <laughs> the mission is right. Exactly. And if someone would say, you know, if you're sticking with it, I'll stick with it, you have a decision to make, and you said we're sticking with it, right? Just like <laughs> Moshe Rabbeinu said. <laughs> no regrets all around. Uh, any information, it's all over the web. And right, there's, a, uh, there's a, a website we have called ROHRpublishing.com. ROHRpublishing.com, you can actually go online and get the entire Parshas Shmos online to get a taste of what the Chumash is for like. For free. For free. Download for download it for free. So get ourpublishing.com or the the safer I'm sorry the Parshas Shmos not not, right. not not safer Shmos yeah. but the Parshas Shmos the first section yeah, of first section which is a, a pretty large section 100%. so you can get an idea of what the what the Chumash is like. All right. You can also get it online from the OU from the OU, right. the OU press. Yeah, there, there's links to both uh, to both websites. All right, to check it out, folks, and enjoy. Arnie Lustiger, thank you for being here this morning. Arbeganak, thank you for being here Flesh as well. As always. And uh, we remember the Rav and. Uh, of course, pay tribute to the memory of Rabbi Torsky, who was taken from us in the prime of his life, just as this volume does. We remember him this morning right here at JM in the AM.
Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, broadcasting from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey, around the world on the web at jmtheam.org. Thanks to all of our guests. Don't forget, tomorrow we get an opportunity to speak with Malcolm Holmline and find out what's happening in this crazy world of ours. It all happens at 7.40 tomorrow morning uh, with the weekly update. Make sure to be tuned in. Great programming on our stream all day long. Charlie Harari follows next with the boardroom. And then plenty after that, including Jew in the City Speaks, Miriam L. Wallach with That's Life. Mayor Ferdig with a very interesting program on guns and the Jewish community coming up at 1 o'clock today on our stream at jmnam.org. And tonight... Michael Fragan with Spin Class on the topic of Metsitsa Bape and why it's been such a political sensitive, to- politically sensitive topic in New York City. Have a fabulous Thursday. Till tomorrow, Nachum Siegel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.